Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E.com. Welcome back to the Longest Shortest Time podcast. This is our eighth episode. I'm Hillary Frank. Um, the last episode was about me and my mom. And um, today we're going to hear about another mother-daughter relationship, uh, something entirely different. Um, Sherlyn Wagner is a listener who wrote to me um, and wanted to tell me her story. And, and she told me that she and her mom had always kind of had this like really tense relationship. Her mom was a dietitian at a hospital and she was always working double shifts and weekends and, you know, she, she just wasn't home a lot. Um, and when she was home, she was just always kind of a big grump. She, she was always stressed about something, about like the, the socks not being folded exactly the right way, the, um, the table not being dusted. She was just like always on Sherlyn's case. But, you know, Sherlyn's friends saw another side of her mom and they were always like, oh, your mom's so nice. Um, you know, like in, in public, Sherlyn's mom put on a happy face and it kind of drove Sherlyn crazy. And and um, it turned out Sherlyn's mom was bipolar, something that Sherlyn figured out when she was 16. Um, her, her parents had recently separated and um, Sherilyn and her brother had gone off to visit their dad for the weekend, something they didn't do very often. I came back and opened the door and I found her like with a bunch of bottles of pills around her. And I just, you know, called 911 and the paramedics came, but she wouldn't go willingly. And the police had to come because the paramedics said that they can't force her to come with them. Sherilyn's mom did wind up going with the cops and she was admitted to a psych ward. As you can probably tell, um, today's story is a really sad one. Um, and, and I'm saying this because as a new mom and a recently pregnant person, um, I know I have really high sensitivity to sad stories, and I'm sure a lot of you do too. But Sherlyn was extremely brave to share this story with me. And um, I feel like I just learned so much from talking to her. And and since I interviewed her, I, I think that I've used a little bit of what I've learned from her every day. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding, every day. And I use that stuff the most at the most frustrating times of my day. So um, I just wanted to say that because if you do choose to continue listening, um, I think it's well worth whatever emotional weight the story brings to you. Anyway, um, Sherlyn has a son now. His name's Jackson. He's 19 months old. Um, and we're going to pick up with her story back when she was pregnant, um, 32 weeks pregnant. And, you know, she's really big. She's at the office. It's Friday afternoon. She gets a call, and it's her uncle. And he's like, you know, we didn't want to tell you early on and because we don't want to stress you out or alarm you but your mom didn't show up for work today and, and no one can reach her. And I'm like, okay, what, you know, that's weird. And of course I tried calling her and no one picked up and 
half of me actually thought, well, what if she's driving up here? You know, actually, I, I, I didn't want her to drive up and, and see me because I was like, I can't handle her right now, you know. So anyway, um, and then Sunday I went to go shopping, like baby shopping with, with my best friend. And I got a call from her husband. From your mom's husband? Right, right. And he's crying. He's, it's, he couldn't really even tell me what was going on. And he, he finally said, you know, they found her. And obviously the, just those words just didn't sound like a good thing. Right. Um, and she's in this hotel. And, and, the, and so they, they found her at a hotel. And was it pills again? It was pills and, um, yeah, and some bottles of wine. And was she, like, looking forward to being a grandmother? I thought so. Was this going to be her first grandchild? Yeah, this would have been her first grandchild. Yeah. And, um, like, how was she, you know, re- reacting to your pregnancy? Well, so I was going to have – I had a home birth, and – I had decided that I would have my mother-in-law um, be present at the home birth, not for me, but for my husband, because like he was my you know coach. So his coach would be, the only ideal person would be his mom, because he has a really close relationship with his mom. And when my mom found that out, I think she was really upset. <laughs> and I tried to calm her feelings about it because I, I now I understand why she would feel that way <laughs> that you know I totally shut her out but that's not <laughs> that wasn't my intention right of course and the, the the note she left me and my brother said that she you know she was a terrible mom she would have made a, a terrible grandmother and which is not the case at all, you know, and I feel, I feel terrible looking back at how as a kid or as a teenager, how I treated her because I obviously, as a kid, as a teenager, you don't, you know, you only think about yourself. You're not thinking about the other person, your, your mom or your dad as, as a person, as a human being, you just see them as your mom or dad trying to get in your way. And so, so did it like cause you a lot of, I mean, obviously it caused you a lot of anxiety at the end of your pregnancy, but like, how did that manifest itself? Well, during the, during the home birth, like it was a very, very long labor, (laughs) it was over 20 hours and through it, I mean, I felt all sorts of emotions and there was this just one point where I felt like I just really couldn't continue, you know? And, um, I, I asked her for help and, you know, asked her to just be here and hold me and just, and kind of apologize for saying, you know, don't be here for the home birth, but be here now, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, God, it's like, it's so heavy. You're making me cry over here. (laughs) No, no, no. It's, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like you, um, you're becoming a mother at like the same instant that your mother decided not to be a mother anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's kind of the, like I, I signed up for a, a support group. It was this uh, motherless daughters group. And I, I don't really 
go to it anymore because everyone else there, like, I feel like because my mom chose not to be here, right? you know? Right. And these daughters, their mothers died of cancer or some terminal illness, and they had no choice. If they had a choice, they would they wouldn't be here, you know? So it's very, it's hard to even find that support because just of, just of the idea of suicide as well. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so, so you become a mom in the, in the wake of all of this and, um, and then like, and so like, how do you approach it? Like, I, I can imagine that right. it would just make you feel so like despondent and not like, right. not like it's already so hard to be there for your baby in the beginning. Right. right. So like, well, it's, what did it-, I, it, it, it was really like this fork in the road. Like, can I just grieve or wait? I, I just had this baby. I can't just, you know, be me and go off in a corner or just take this time to, to grieve because I have to, now I have to take care of a baby. I mean, it would like hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, when, when I pushed him out and held him for the first time and here he is crying, it just kind of wipes it all away and like, okay, here is the new plan. You know, he is your new plan. This is what you're going to have to do now. You know, I maybe thought of myself before as, as a mom who would kind of, be the mean mommy kind of thing and and my husband would be you know the more laid back guy but I feel like I'm a lot more relaxed I don't know how I would have been if it hadn't happened you're you're more relaxed I'm more relaxed which that seems odd to say after having a death but um it's just my parenting style I don't know if it's really it's just you know letting go of little things like getting into the drawers and all mess with all the pots and pans and play with the stove knobs. My mom would freak out, you know, like I'm the adult, you're the kid. And for me, it's like, well, he sees me doing this. This is why he's trying to do it. I'd still tell him no and, you know, try and get him away, but it's not because he's doing it in spite of me, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, part of it, too, I feel like the change in me is just the openness I have now. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people feel uncomfortable (laughs) about it, but I don't refrain from talking about my mom and how she died. Because I feel like there was so so much that my mom was holding in with your marriage or how it's not going very well or with your debt problem, you know, and she had, she carried on a lot of debt, not, not a lot, but to her in her head, I, I, I can imagine it was a huge amount, you know, I'm Filipino. So uh, just the Asian culture, just, you don't, you know, those are secrets. <laughs> those are private things you do not mention to other people, even your own relatives, you don't mention those things. And then so. that's, that becomes another burden to carry around. Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. So I, I just, it's just the way I am now to just be open and not, not to be in, in a go against my mom, but to show my mom or, and myself that with how my mom took her life, there's, there is another way, 
there is another way from, from that burden. Sherlyn Wagner in Oakland, California. She and her husband are expecting their second child in September. Thanks for listening to the Longest Shortest Time podcast. I'm Hillary Frank. If you want to be like Sherlyn and share your story of early parenthood on this podcast, go to longestshortesttime.com and click contact. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find ten. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Now Prince donated this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.